This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Matthew chapter 25. And as I said in the last podcast, at the end of Matthew 24, Jesus begins telling stories to his disciples to try to help them understand, try to prepare them, if you will, for his leaving because he knows he's about to die in just a couple of days here on the cross and he's going to be put in the tomb for three days and uh, he's going to rise again on the third day. But this event is going to absolutely blow their minds. They're not going to understand even though Jesus has told them this was coming and it's going to happen many times. He's told them this many times. They didn't understand it. It was it just absolutely blew their mind. Their whole world just became unglued and was full of chaos until Jesus was resurrected and started making these appearances to them. But even after that, 40 days later, he's going to be ascending back to the Father and sitting at the Father's right hand, and he's going to send down the Holy Spirit. So he, he he's trying to prepare them for his leaving because they're going to be taken over, and they're going to think... And you can read this, when you read the book of Acts and when you read Paul's writings and Peter's writings, they thought that Jesus was literally coming back as soon as he left. Um, And and here we are in 2023 and we're still waiting for Jesus' return. And so by these stories, Jesus is trying to help them to understand that only the Father knows when he's returning. And that returning may take some time. And it has taken quite a long time. And people are still wondering, is, it, is this even real? Is it even coming back? And then like he's t- talking about in these, par- in these not parables, but in these stories, he says it's going to happen like a thief in the night. Nobody knows when their house is going to get robbed. And that, that's what we looked at in the last podcast. If the person knew when their house is going to get robbed, they'd hang around at that house and protect their goods and protect their family. But nobody knows when a robber is going to show up. They just show up whenever they want to. And and, and so he's he's... He has a certain theme in these stories, and and that theme is basically telling his disciples and us to be watching, to be waiting, and to be prepared at all times, because we don't know when he's coming, and it's going to happen when we least expect it. But if we're expecting it, and we're prepared, and we're ready, it's not going to come as a surprise, and we're going to be just fine. And so I want to pick up with... uh, uh, verses 14 through 30, if you missed the first part of Matthew 25, you can go back and listen to that. It's really short. It's only about 20, 25 minutes long. Um, but in Matthew 14 through 30, he tells a story of three servants, and, and this is what Jesus says to his disciples. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. So you can see how or hear how he keeps hounding this point. It's going to be a long time. Because, as I said a while ago, they're expecting him to return immediately. But he, he's telling them in these stories, hey, it could be a long period of time, so just be prepared and be watching for it. And he goes on to say, he call, this, this uh, man who's going on this long trip, he calls his servants together and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. And he gave five bags of silver to one two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Now, there's 
there, we'll come back to the story here in just a second, but I, I, I just want to talk about something here, something I've never heard anybody talk about when they preach on this parable or this story of these three servants. There's three servants, and the master knows them well. He knows what they're capable of doing. That's what Jesus said. He, he gave this, this bags of silver, five bags, two bags, and one bag, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He knew what they were capable of doing and not doing. And so he divides out the money uh, proportionately. And so I've never heard anybody mention this before, but God knows absolutely everything about you and me. If you read Psalm 139, it's not very long. But basically, David writes that psalm and he says, you know what I'm going to speak before I even speak it. You know what I'm thinking about before it even comes a thought in my head. I can't, get, I can't go anywhere from your presence. I can't get away from you. You're everywhere I go. I can go into the pits of hell. I can go into the depths of the darkest uh, of the sea. And your presence is there with me. He says, you know what I'm sitting down. You know what I'm standing up. You know what I'm going to do before I even do it. God knows everything about you and me. He knows what we're involved in. He knows what's going on in our lives. Nothing surprises God. He's he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. See, we, we can't even fathom God. Because our, our little brains, we, I mean, as cool as they are and as, and as many things as they can do, it just can't even begin to fathom God and His greatness and His power and His knowledge. Luke chapter 12 verse 7 says that God knows exactly how many hairs that we have on our heads. So if God knows all those details about us, then He knows everything that we're going through, that we're dealing with. He knows what we're doing and what we're not doing. Nothing gets by God that He doesn't know. And Paul, in other words, I'm, I'm just trying to hound the point that, that God knows us. He knows everything about us. And Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 12 that God gives us all, each and every one of us, talents, different talents and abilities to use in his service. He says in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 11, he says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is a source of them all, the Holy Spirit, one Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God, who works in different ways, but is the same God who does work who does the work in all of us. The same God. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to uh, give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of a special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit, the Holy Spirit from God, who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person, each person 
should have. And, and Paul goes on to talk about how we're one body. You know, it, like you got hands and you got feet, you got eyes and ears, but yet it's one body. We're all different members of the body of Christ, and we all have different abilities, different talents that God has blessed us with to use in the service of His kingdom. And that's what he's he's telling uh, his disciples here. He says, you, you, you got to be waiting for my return. You got to be watching for my return. You got to be prepared for my return. But you got to keep working. If it, if, it, if, it, if it tarries, if it takes a long time for, for me to return because only the Father knows when that's going to happen, you, you got to keep on keeping on. No matter how hard things get. Because they're going to be persecuted. They're going to be dying for their faith. They're going to be beheaded. They're going to be put in prison. They're going to be beaten. They're going to be flogged. I mean, it, it, what the early church went through was horrible. And we don't have any idea what that's like in the United States. Some people do. There's, there's always exceptions. There are people who are persecuted here. Other countries, they know all about it. You know, where it's, it's illegal to even own a Bible. Where in America, you know, we have, I've got three copies sitting right here on, on my table. Uh, you know, one in Spanish and one a King James Version. And I got a New Living Translation. Just three right here. Uh, you know, we, we take things like this for granted, but my point is God gives each and every one of us that belong to him a different ability, a different talent to use for his glory. And, and uh, this is what the, the master has done for, or this, this person, this man has done for his servants. The master knows them well enough he spent evidently spent some time with these these servants, and he's got to know them, and he knows what their abilities are, what they're capable of doing and not doing, and so he divides this money proportionately: five bags for one, two bags of silver for another, and one bag of silver to the other. Um, in verse sixteen, Jesus goes on to say, "The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more." And the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. And there's that word. We don't like work. We don't like to hear that word when it comes to church because we think church is going and sitting in this air-conditioned building in a nice, comfortable chair or a pew and, and, and you know, sing a few songs to a preacher. And, you know, and we say, amen, we're going about our business. We don't want to look at serving the Lord as work. But that's exactly what it is or what it should be. It's all about working for Him. And we'll talk about more about that in just a minute. But the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver, he dug a hole in the ground and he hid the master's money. He didn't do anything with it. He hid it. And after a long time, their master returned from his trip. And there, there's that idea again. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. We're going to, Paul talks about this. I believe it's in 1 Corinthians when he talks about uh, how we're going to be judged and, and how our works are going to be uh, tried by fire and they're going to be burned up if, if, they're, if they're not good. And he, says, he says, you'll be saved, but your works, if, they don't, if they're not built on the right foundation, they're going to just burn up. Um, and, and that's kind of what the idea here is going on here. This, this, this master returns after a long period of time from his trip and he calls these men to give an account of how they used his money. And the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. He said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. He says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you 
more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And that, that just goes totally against our culture today. We want to get, we want to do as just as little as possible. We want to skim the surface and get by with what we can or can't do. Uh, we just want to do just enough not to make somebody mad. But here's Jesus saying, "I've given you five bags of silver. What'd you do with it? I invested. I invested this back, these five bags of silver, and got five more. Uh, I, I, I've made a lot of interest off your money." Good job. I'm going to give you more responsibilities. Well, that, that's what a lot of people don't want in our day and time. We don't want more responsibilities. We want less, and we want to get paid more for doing less. Now, that's what's going on in 2023. Welcome to our world. But Jesus says, this servant did well, so he's getting more responsibilities. And he says, let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. And the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops where you didn't plant and gathering crops where you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. From those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth it's a picture of somebody missing out of heaven and getting cast in the outer darkness and be cast away from the presence of god who is light uh they're cast into the outer darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth because they they know they messed up and they've been rejected for eternity from god's presence never having a second chance so in my opinion when jesus is telling this story the issue with the, this one servant who has the bag of money, uh, it's not that he didn't do anything with the bag of money because he did do something with the bag of money. And, it, and the, to me, in my opinion, the issue is what he did with the bag of money. And if you think about it, he was, he was absolutely careless with this bag of money. All he had to do was take it to the bank and it would have drawn some interest and he would have been fine. But he didn't do that. Instead of putting it in the bank where it's going to be safe and draw the interest, he buries it in the ground. Now think about that for a second. He buries this all this silver, this bag of silver in the ground. What if somebody would have come along and found this bag of silver? It would have been gone forever. And if you think about it, this this, this servant who had this one bag and buried it, he, he didn't think about the consequences. He didn't think about... Uh, what decision he was making and, and, and what could possibly go wrong with burying this bag of money. He just buried the bag of money and went on with life doing his own thing. And when the master returns, he goes and digs it back up and brings it back and says, hey, I got your money right here. And so the master shows up and, and they, they, he, he says, I want to know how you spent, my, uh, spent your time investing my money. What would you do with it all? And these two that did that did well, 
and, and, and invested it and, and doubled their gain, you know, what they had, five to ten and two to four, um, they, they did very good and they were rewarded and they were given more responsibilities. But this one who buried the bag of money, he had nothing to show for it that day except for a dirty bag filled with the money that the master already owned. And he was cast away from the master, cast into the outer darkness because Jesus said he was useless. He did not do what he was told to do. You see, it's all about service. Remember, the master knew his servants well. And he divided these these bags of silver proportionally because he knew their capabilities, what they could do and what they couldn't do. He knew that this one this one uh, servant was going to blow it because God knows everything about us. But this one servant could at least put it in the bank and draw some interest and he would have been fine. But instead he was lazy. He buried it and went on and did his own thing. He lived his own life. He wasn't concerned about the master's money. He didn't care if somebody come along and stole it away. But when the master showed up and he was had to give an account for it, he scrambles back, digs it up, and comes and brings it back. And the money is given to the one who had the ten bags of silver because he could do something with it. He's going to take the talents, the money, and use it for the master's sake and to, and to grow the kingdom. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's all about service. If you see, while Jesus is gone... We, his servants, are to be busy for the kingdom. I'm sure you've heard you've heard me say it, I know. And I'm sure you've heard other people say something like this, that we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. While he's gone, we are all he has left. And we have to be working. We have to be showing people Jesus. We have to be giving people hope and encouragement. And if we're not doing that, it's not going to be good. And I'm reminded of James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20, when James says this. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters? So he's writing to people who are following Jesus, filled with, their, with the Holy Spirit that we talked about just a few minutes ago in 1 Corinthians 12 that gives us all these different abilities and talents to use for the kingdom's sake and to grow the kingdom and to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ. James says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but you don't show it by your actions? You can say you have faith all day long, but if you don't put it to action, what good is it? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do, James says? So you see, faith by itself, it's not enough. Oh, but how many preachers do you hear say from the pulpit, we're saved by faith only? It's by faith only. It's not by faith only. That's exactly what James is saying here. He says, faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. He goes on to say, now someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith? 
For you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish, James says. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? The same word that Jesus said about that servant who took that one bag and buried it and went and did his own thing. And when the master showed up and he was held accountable, all he had was a dirty bag of money to show for it because he was too busy doing his own thing like those five foolish virgins or those five foolish bridesmaids that had to go buy the oil and missed out on the return of the bridegroom. Useless. I don't want to stand before Jesus someday on the day of judgment and him call me useless. I want to use the talents and the abilities that he has blessed me with to glorify him and to grow his kingdom and to encourage the brothers and sisters in the Lord to keep to help them to keep going, to keep pressing forward. And here's the thing. <clears throat> we work. And salvation is not by works, lest any man should boast. That's what Paul says. We're saved by, by uh, faith, by grace, through faith in Christ Jesus. But James makes it absolutely clear that if we're not working for the kingdom, we're useless and our faith is dead. If something is dead, it is of no value. And if our faith is dead, it's of no value. It's not doing us any good. And I, I think of that passage uh, in the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew and Jesus, these people come up to Jesus and they, on the judgment day and they say, but Lord, we cast out demons in your names and we've done all this stuff in your name. And, and he says, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. But, but we did all this. We did all, But I never knew you. I did not have a relationship with you. Your faith, it has to be an active faith. That faith has to produce fruit. That, 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 that faith is an acting faith and we work because we are saved we've been bought with a price we we're not our owned by ourselves anymore we're owned by jesus he has paid the price for our sins he has washed us in his blood he has filled us with his spirit and the spirit has given us these talents and abilities to use to glorify him and to grow his kingdom and to encourage those who are of a part of that kingdom we are to produce fruit with our faith it has to be a faith with action the same concepts in john 15 1 through 8 jesus says i'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll keep producing fruit and they'll produce even more fruit You've already been pruned. He talked talk to his disciples. He said, you've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be... And remember, the Father's the one that's cutting from the vine. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitless or fruitful unless you remain in me. Because it's Jesus working through us. The Holy Spirit working through us. 
Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless, there's the word again, useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. As I said a while ago at the beginning, Jesus is preparing his disciples for when he leaves and while he's gone. And now he's going to take a shift. And he shifts to when he does return and what's going to happen, what's going to take place in what we call the judgment. In verses 31 through 46, he says this, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, when that day arrives, and all the angels with him, and you can read that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 about that. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or f- and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or, and there's a passage I just thought about that t- where Jesus says, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed for that. Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you? When, when, when did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I'll tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these uh, brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So in other words, when our faith is a faith that produces action and we're helping people in need and especially the brothers and sisters in Christ and we're encouraging them and we're meeting their needs we're not only helping that brother and sister in Christ out we're glorifying God and Jesus says you're doing that to me not just to those people it's like here here's a negative example of that when uh, when Saul was persecuting the or yeah Saul who was later Paul when Saul was persecuting the Christians and put him in jail and, and dragging men and women and bringing them to jail and they're dying for their faith. He's busting up families. Jesus knocks him off that horse on the way on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter nine, and 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 Saul says, "Who are you, Lord?" And he says, "I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting." Well, obviously Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting people who were following Jesus. But Jesus told Saul, he says, "You are persecuting me." You're persecuting my people, but when you persecute my people, you are persecuting me. So stop it. I'm going to change your life around, and you're going to be an ambassador for me, and you're going to go to the Gentiles and take the good news of the gospel to them. And that's exactly what Saul did. He changes his name to Paul and became probably the greatest missionary that's ever lived. So when we... When our faith produces actions and and we put those actions into the service of the kingdom and we help brothers and sisters in Christ and people in in the world like homeless or whatever, fill in the blank with whatever, we're glorifying God at the same time. 
Jesus says, when you did it to the least of these, you've done it to me. That's the sheep. And then the opposite is the goats. Jesus says, the, or this is Jesus' story, talking about the judgment day. He says, then the king will, re, will turn to those on the left, that's the goats, and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his, and his demons. The, the hell was never prepared for, for people. It was prepared for the devil and his demons. But people, uh, I think it's Revelation 19 talks about, if our name is not found written in the book of life, then we're cast into hell. And the only way our names could be found written in the book of life is to give our lives to Jesus Christ, to be washed in his blood, and be filled with his spirit, and, and putting our faith into action, and keeping it there. Keep, keep working until he returns, until we take our last breath on this earth. But he says, the king's going to turn to the goats that's on the left, and he says, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me any clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? I don't understand. And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal punishment. Life. In other words, they're gonna the sheep go to be with Jesus in heaven for eternity, new heavens and new earth. Second Peter chapter two talks about that. I believe that's the right chapter. And those who rejected Jesus, didn't live for Jesus, didn't care about the kingdom of God or serving Jesus, they're cast away eternally from God's presence into the outer darkness, as Jesus says in his stories. So <clears throat> As we get near the end of this podcast, I just want to focus or remind you what to focus on. And that's not Jesus' return or when Jesus' return is going to be, but that he is going to return. Because we don't have any idea when that's going to happen. The day of the Lord, the Bible talks about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. We don't know when the day of the Lord is coming. We just know it is coming and it is going to happen. And what we should focus on is being prepared and being ready because of what Jesus says here. He says we're all going to stand before him. Every person that's ever existed from Adam until whenever Jesus comes back and this is all over with, we're going to stand before him and be judged we're either going to be a sheep or we're going to be a goat. One or the other. I remember um, I used to watch a show. It just, it's not as good as it used to be when it first started. But uh, this show called American Idol. And when it first started many, many years ago, you know, they allowed people to, 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 to try out and sing. And, and it evolved into, you know, people could bring instruments and play their instruments and sing. And then it got to be a joke because people would try to get on there just to be on TV who couldn't sing. And and so the, the show kind of lost its momentum. And then they got different judges and it just changed a whole lot. But before, before all that happened, when it first came out, it was really... A good show to watch and it was very entertaining and you know when you could fit you could pick your favorite person to see if they were going to make it or not because they what they did they would go to these cities and they would try out 
in, in, in these different cities, people would come from all over and they would sing. And, and at the end of the auditions, the goal was to try to get, uh, uh, to, I think it was to California, um, but you wanted to move on. You didn't want to get sent home. And what they did was, you know, so after all the auditions happened in that city, they would put the contestants in a certain room, you know, four or five rooms, six rooms, whatever. And they would go to this room and they would tell this room, we're sorry, you, you're not going on. And th there would be some really good singers in these rooms along with some terrible singers. And so they kind of had an idea that they wouldn't, you know, they were kind of trying to prepare themselves that they wasn't going on. But when they got the news that they wasn't going on, they just broke down. You know, they just couldn't believe it. They were hurt. They were crying and going through all these emotions. But then the judges would go to the next room and then they would announce to that crowd that, hey, you've made it. You're, you're moving on. And they, they would just erupt in cheers and, and, and go crazy and be so excited and be so happy because they're, they're getting to move on. They're going to have an opportunity to, to sing some more and be judged some more. And hopefully they get to move on to the next round until they can win it. And, 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 you know, hopefully have a record deal or, you know, and, and to be famous. Um, and I picture that as sort of what's going to happen on judgment day. Not that we're going to be put in these different rooms, but as Jesus said, we're going to be separated. The sheep from the goats. The sheep are those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They've been using their talents and their abilities for the kingdom of God. They're helping people on the journey, helping them to endure. And then you got the goats who, they're just living for themselves. They don't care. They don't care about anybody else. They don't care about helping anybody. They're doing their own thing. They've never given their life to Christ. They absolutely 100% could care less. And, and, and Jesus says the goats will be separated from God's presence for eternity, never to have another opportunity to be saved. And, and there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's going to be miserable. You don't have to worry about the flames that are in hell. You're going to have to worry about not ever being in the presence. It's just darkness, pure darkness and evil unleashed evil you think what's going on in our world and our society is evil right now you ain't seen anything yet because you're going to be cast away from god's presence and god's presence is light he's going to light up the whole joint he lights up heaven with his presence and it's going to be glorious i can't even begin to fathom how awesome heaven is going to be but the greatest thing about it is we're going to be with our savior the one who paid the price for our sins well what's the difference between the sheep and the goats the goats didn't do anything they were useless and they were cast away. The sheep worked for the kingdom of God. And what the cool thing is about the sheep, Jesus says, they didn't even realize they were working for the Lord. It was just their way of life. That's why he says, He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And the king will say to those on the right, the sheep, come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world for i was hungry and you fed me i was thirsty you gave me drink i was a stranger and you invited me into your home i was naked and you gave me clothing i was sick and you cared for me i was in prison and you visited me and then the righteous when these sheep they're going to reply to the lord lord when did we ever see you hungry or feed you when did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and and give you clothing when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you Jesus said, when you were doing it to my brothers and my sisters, you were doing it to me.
Which one are you? A sheep? Bah! Or a goat? Me! Because if you're a sheep, you're going to enjoy the joys of heaven. If you're a goat, you're missing out. And you're going to be like those five foolish bridesmaids beating on that door. Let me in. And Jesus is going to say, I don't even know you. I don't have a relationship with you. I never knew you. Depart from me. Out of my presence. And, and it's going to be too late. Why not give your life to Jesus today and be a sheep? Be a sheep and get to work. Produce fruit. And let the Lord use you and glorify Him through your life. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grounded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.